0: It was, I suppose it was a crisp February morning, back in 2019, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, so a usual Sunday morning, I was, you know, that little bit of a lie-in, getting up later, having my morning coffee, and uh, yeah, the pager, the pager goes off and I'm thinking it's a bit early and it's February, cold water. When that pager does go off, you, you have no, absolute no clue. I'm Jonathan Connor, and I'm a helm at Kinsale Lifeboat Station. Everybody's looking at each other, wondering, what what are we going to? And it's not really filtering down to us too well, the, the information. We, we were told people in the water that there's the tides coming in, people are stuck and we need to get out there. We're tearing up an inlet, so it's it's actually upriver. So we, we cover quite a large river section in Kinsale. And it's just as we're passing the bridge in Kinsale, we come around the corner and uh, we start to see people, a, a group of people in the water and what looks like a horse. When we arrived on scene uh, and you see that big group of people, you see lots of people running around in the water and there's a horse in the middle of the scenario you're thinking maybe is it someone's fallen off the horse is it is it something like that and then everybody was shouting come on we need to get paddy out we need to rescue paddy so we're thinking is paddy under the horse underwater? is he being pinned down and eventually then it came to light that paddy was a horse Um, paddy paddy the horse two crew members myself included got into the water and then the lifeboat stood off just because the area where it was was uh, riddled with oyster beds, which are like pieces of rebar that uh, are built into a table that the fishermen rest their oysters on. Soon came to light that it was, uh, it turned out to be that the horse was in difficulty as opposed to people in difficulty. You just start building the picture of how are we going to deal with this? What are we going to use? Um, what would be the best technique and that's where you're you're kind of feeding off the information so we tried to work with the owner and and see how we could we could assist the the local people working in the local equestrian center were there and they were able to kind of direct us I'm no horse, horse expert and um, so they're we're using their information to build on on what we can do now we're we're comfortable dealing with people who are having their worst day in the water and we build our comfort level up. But working with horses is just not, it's not something you do every day. It it turned out that the horse's left foot was uh, buried down into a oyster trellis and whatever way it must have gone in and then the horse moved. So as the, the hoof went in, it got stuck and now every time the horse went to walk it was lifting this bed of rebar with it so it was kind of it was made fast it was stuck and naturally enough everything was against us the tide was coming in the so the tide coming in the the flow of water in that area is quite strong it's a river um so it was starting to it was starting to come against us and eventually we we managed to one of the crew members, we, we kind of got in underneath and popped the foot up, and that the horse naturally jumped out and ran for safety. But it only it came to light after that that the owner owner of the horse um, didn't know how to swim. Yet he was up to his neck in the water, um, you know, putting his head under the water, trying to do everything he could to save the animal, and. I suppose in one way he was putting himself at massive risk, um, but it it's that element that you know it's part of the family. It's it's a loved, it's loved as much as a child, and to that family, and it goes to show the length that people will go to to rescue something that means so much to them. When I was really young, I was probably four or five, maybe six, that age group. We used to spend our summers down in Baltimore, right down the south of Ireland. And uh, so during the summer, then my dad would be uh, a volunteer on the Baltimore lifeboat. And I suppose back in those days, it was the firing up the maroons, the whole village would get woken up and it was that kind of element of deer headlights to a little child no idea what it was um, so then we kind of we settled down didn't go down to Baltimore for our summers and we we stayed in Kinsale so it was only until I suppose back in 2013 there was a massive rescue of a sail training ship the uh, the Astrid and I remember I was out um, working as a sailing instructor in the harbour and I saw the the rib coming in the harbour towing uh, a life raft behind it and I kind of went ah you know it's a lifeboat it's uh," and then you see Court McSherry's lifeboat coming in behind the stereotypical when you go on google images what you see lifeboat and I said well okay this is all on our doorstep so I asked I said I'd like to show interest um, and join up and so yeah, about twenty fourteen in October when I turned seventeen, so that was that was the age limit at the time. I joined joined the crew as shore crew. I suppose twenty sixteen had uh, what would be I would suppose my first kind of interesting rescue. I won't say interesting is maybe the wrong word, but memorable uh, rescue would have been um the Sean Anthony, which was uh, a little trawler, a beam trawler three Portuguese fishermen on board the, the trawler lost power at the entrance to Kinsale in rather rough conditions. Um, and I just I happened to be in the station at the time uh, just studying for, for my leaving cert, so for, for my school exams. And I just heard it didn't sound like the Coast Guard giving a, a usual broadcast. It was this sharp and to the point kind of uh, totally unscripted Mayday um, with with broken English and I I decided to start texting people and making sure that we were in in a good scenario or you know, that we could get people down to the station. I wasn't I was relatively new, didn't didn't know uh how the paging system worked and, and, and all that side of it. But I started uh I started texting a couple of the helms, a couple of the crew members just saying there's something on the radio here, sounds a bit urgent. Um, And that, you know, they started coming down to the station and there was three people at the time. We had an Atlantic uh, 75 and there was, so there's three people on board that. And we, all three people were in the station and we were pushing the boat out when the pager went off. Uh, So I suppose that, as shore crew, that, that helped buy a bit of time for us. Um, and it it managed to get from paging activation to getting the crew on scene was about three minutes the beam trawler was now high up on the rocks it was one of the highest spring tides we had ever had and a really strong southeasterly about four eight. the fishing boat was up on the rocks rolling and pitching and they weren't too sure the crew got there they weren't too sure that there was people on board or if they jumped into the water. So the the helm decided the best course of action was to veer in, which is moving in onto the, the shoreline under the control of the anchor. So you've got that anchor as your hold back and you drop back nice and slowly under control. And it allows us to get into quite challenging locations. And just as they were dropping the anchor, coming in following a step-by-step procedure, this person just ran out of the wheelhouse and jumped into the water in this pitching, you know, in this, what was like a, a cauldron of water, a boiling, a boiling pot of water. And, uh, the guys had to literally lock off the anchor and run and and grab the person. So it, uh, it was, it was quite, quite, uh, an interesting show. Uh, It was different. It was something different now. I was only shore crew that day. I, I didn't actually get to see until uh, the photos started coming out and the, the video camera footage from, from the, the helmet. And you, it, it's, I suppose it's a stark reminder of how violent the sea around us can be. Like today now, it's a beautiful, crisp, peaceful day. The water's flat, calm. But any other day of the week, it could be it could be massive. It could be a totally different morning. After, after rescues, you do, you do. Uh, sometimes you never hear of the backstory or, or what happened to the person or persons you rescued. But in the Paddy the Horse scenario, we we actually we had a couple of bits bits and bobs that belonged to the owner on on board the boat that we we kind of just threw on in the heat of the moment. So we said we we'd try and return them to the owner. So we actually went to visit Paddy in his stables. And in the end, he, he turned up being the Grand Marshal for the Patrick's Day Parade um, in Kinsale. So they, they, got, they got the horse and the owner to, to be the, the Grand Marshal for, for the parade. And yeah, made a full, full recovery, thankfully. Um, no injuries other than a few cuts and bruises to the leg. He was a lucky horse, I suppose. Hello, this is Tani Gray Thompson. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org/slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Jochen Vowell.